Hello and welcome to My Existential Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us question our entire sense of self. My name is Madison Epley. Hi, Madison. My name is Dylan Berger. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. <laughs> Only uh, like six or seven episodes we've recorded and we're now just finally getting around introductions. Exactly, exactly. That's the way that we do things here. Yeah, I'm just very nervous. I have a nervous personality. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm just like, hi, I, I'm, I'm pretending like I know you because if I admit that I don't know you, it's really awkward. <laughs> it's like this. It's like whenever someone's like, hey, like how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm yeah. great. I'm like, you? Can we have a moment of silence um, forever? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> typically how I approach things. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect, perfect. But we're going to have a lot of moments of silence today, I mean, or at least one, um, given your story. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of my story, I apologize to everybody and Dylan. Um, Not accepted. There were a lot of technical <laughs> difficulties in three of the episodes that we recorded. Did not... <laughs> They got lost or they didn't work. Um, so. But that's kind of fun. There's like the lost episodes. Yeah. And then like maybe one day they'll reappear. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I definitely didn't cry about it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I apologize for that. Dylan, I, I apologize to you oh, so it's not many a big times. Deal. It I really feel is like a, a trash bag. But it's an anomaly. Now an you anomaly. get to hear my anomaly? story again. Yeah. Which is great. Absolutely. You get to, I get to fill your ear holes with this uh, uh, awful thing that happened on Christmas many years ago. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is supposed to come out on Christmas, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, apologies. <laughs> um, uh, but so how are you? How are you doing, Dylan? I'm doing well. Um, I am coming out of the Christmas season, holiday season. Holiday season. Um, just, you know, doing well, feeling good. No resolution set for myself. Um, but with a renewed sense of determination and optimism for the world okay. and the people who live in it, my friends, my oh, family, okay. my cat. Most um, important. And, uh, yeah, it's just something about, I don't know, the magic of January. The magic of January. It's a little quieter. No holiday lights. You no just have lights. slush and sleet and just dreariness all around. Yeah. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I am, I'm optimistic about 2024. Uh, any particular reason or things that you're optimistic about? Well, I'm optimistic because it can't get worse. That is true. I mean, I know we've been sort of, um, I guess a lot of people like to say that America has been on sort of a downward trend since like maybe the mid 2010s. Yeah, I, I would um, say so. And I don't know. I think this is a year we bounce back. You think? Yeah. An election year? Yeah, 2024, 2020 more. <laughs> um, I I think that we are going to be um, come better. I would like to say we can't get any worse. So let's go. With All that. right. Yeah. I'm I'm optimistic in that capacity. I am optimistic too. Yeah. Did you do anything fun for New Year's? Um, what did I do for New Year's? Um, I went to see the uh, strawberry drop in outside the Hilton. That's right. Yes, in Harrisburg they do a thing where they drop a strawberry mm -hmm. instead of a ball. Mm -hmm. It was very hard to see. Oh. Because it's just you know a strawberry. A very small strawberry uh -huh. that they're dropping from a flagpole. It was very precarious as well because the mayor was there dropping it and he had to climb the building. Oh shit. Um, and <laughs> I have some bad news. I don't know if you read about this. Oh no. Um, you didn't make it. 
He didn't make it. Oh, wow. It's 2024. <gasps> Yikes. Yeah. Yikey crazy. It's just 10 seconds away. Damn. But, uh. Did they get, like, the, what's the, like, the deputy mayor or something? The sheriff. Yeah. Did they get the sheriff to <laughs> the, Har- the Harrisburg sheriff? Yes. Um, I, I think they did, actually. Okay. Um, and, you know, the story has a happy ending. Yeah? Because the sheriff caught the mayor in his arms. And then they kissed. Oh! <laughs> on New Year's. At exactly 12. I thought that the mayor didn't make it. Well, yeah, but this is me <laughs> doing the story a little differently. Oh, oh. Because we're did optimistic they, did about Did they kiss and then die? <laughs> like Romeo and Juliet? Star-crossed lovers? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful oh, way to God, I'm tearing up. I know, right? <laughs> it was really something to, something to see. And that was the first time I was at the home for the strawberry drop uh, since coming to Harrisburg like five years ago. Wow. Um, and it was... Uh, rainy a little it was a little rainy okay uh but all in all it was a very nice time good yeah i'm glad what did you do for your new year's um i hung out with my friends and we played board games and i drank an entire bottle of wine like not just like a regular bottle but like one of those like chonky bottles like the breckenridge bottles yeah i uh, drank one of those by myself um and um so okay whenever i do not like the whole ball dropping thing Hmm. i never got it Mm-hmm. And by, I never got it was whenever I was little, like little, little, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, the ball is dropping. I thought that they meant that every year a literal ball would like drop out of the sky at midnight. I thought that is how we tracked the years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's usually how it happens unless it's a strawberry <laughs> or a blueberry. Yeah, but I... If you're Lancaster, so I believe. So I was... Ex- yeah, a, bl- a blueberry? I think they drop a blueberry. Do they? I could be wrong. Mechanicsburg drops a wrench. Do they? They do. There's <laughs> <laughs> blue collar Mechanicsburg. Yep. Love mm. that for them. I gotta wipe the grease off my palms after that <laughs> one. So you thought um a ball dropped from the sky. Like a literal ball dropped from the sky. Like like a UFO or like a comet. Yes. I thought we just called it like the ball dropping. Uh-huh. Um, and so I remember specifically, very vividly, it was like the very first New Year's I could remember. I was at my grandparents' house and mm-hmm. they kept like hyping us up like, we're going to watch the ball drop. We're going to watch the ball drop. And I kept asking like, what is this ball? And they're just yeah. like, it's just a ball. And I'm like, no, but like it's dropping from the sky. Yeah. So like, what is it? And then they showed me. I finally saw it and I was like, what the fuck is this? This like, is when you were 20? 20 yeah yeah yeah. oh wow actually i'm 19 oh um not quite 20 yeah gotta Um, give you some leeway yeah yeah so Uh, you saw the ball drop and you were i was crushed (laughs) i was crushed under the ball what happened (laughs) well i i stood directly underneath it thinking like what is this yeah you're just looking straight up exactly and then it hit me (laughs) yeah so yeah i kind of protest the ball dropping or anything dropping from the sky because it's not actually dropping from the sky it makes me really upset yeah um well, that's a very specific reason to protest <laughs> New Year's Eve. Um, I uh, they they did drop the strawberry from the sky. It was attached to a building, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a um, like air to surface missile or anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't drone strike us, uh, but it was that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's good too. Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought it was I thought it was very nice and very um, charming. Well, I'm sorry that you had a. Um, a sort of a disenchanted New Year's okay. uh, where you didn't get to enjoy the, had, the ball drop. It's all right. I don't need the ball drop to enjoy friends and the company of loved ones. <laughs> no balls need to be dropped. Wow. <laughs> That's a fresh perspective. Yeah. I um, I think you and I are coming into the 
new year 2024 better people i agree more understanding people i agree um the same people yeah but different but different you know folks you really missed a treat if this were to come out on christmas we had a whole song we were singing a whole outro uh it was it was lovely and now you don't get that so sorry i suck (laughs) (laughs) it was uh, an issue with the audio and if you remember Mm -hmm. from uh the very first uh episode that we shot together yeah uh recorded the um the small like uh, snowball yes. microphone that I I put yes. on the table yes, between I, us. I remember vividly. And how wonderfully that audio came it out. It was a bitch to edit. <laughs> yeah. So audio happen, uh, audio issues happen to to everyone. Yeah. Um. One other quick thing mm-hmm. that has been very very important and topical in like the true crime universe right mm. now is that on December twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, Gypsy Rose Blanchard was released from prison. I saw about yeah. that. Yeah? Do you yeah. know the story of that? Not all that much, no. That's okay. I was going to cover it. I was going to cover it, um, and then I figured everyone's probably covering it. Mm. But long story short, she was a victim of child abuse and Munchausen by proxy. Um, and her mother was killed, um, and she was sentenced to prison for, like, aiding with the, the murder of her mother. Um, but she was, like, lenient upon because of the, the the relentless years of abuse she suffered but now she is free finally wow. wow how much time did she serve i think 12 years 12 years it wasn't a ton of time but for someone who went through everything that she has like i'm glad that she is this is the first time she's like actually living life yeah so yeah that's all just gotta share that little tidbit and she was aiding her mother huh she was what eating? Eating. Eating. <laughs> she must have been hungry, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, eating the death of her mother. Oh, I, I see. Her mother was kill- drugging her and like poisoning her. How'd she kill her mom? Um, her boyfriend killed her by stabbing her. Oh goodness. Yeah, I can go into this more. Goodness uh, gracious. Later, but that's the gist of it. Okay. But well, she's free now, and hey. I'm I'm hella hype. That All was, right. That was probably the highlight of my holiday. New Gypsy just dropped. Yep. <laughs> um. So she's free. She's free. Wow. Second chance. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, would you um like to start with your story? Or shall I start with mine? What do you prefer, Dylan? Do you have a preference? Um, how about we start with yours? Okay. All right, that works. I feel it's more Christmassy than what I have to You're share. Right. It will end with the holidays in a really tragic way, and then we'll just like start new life with yeah. yours. Uh-huh. How about that? Um, Mine's about baby Christmas or yes. baby New Year. Baby Christmas. <laughs> baby Christmas. <laughs> baby Christmas. Is that like a tiny Santa Claus? <laughs> yes. It's like um, um, what are those baby things like B- Mupp- Muppet babies? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just wasn't expecting to have um, Muppet Babies enter my consciousness today. You're welcome. Um, Everyone, Muppet Babies was a thing and it was the best thing ever. And um, anyone who is like Gen Z has no idea what we're talking about. I'm Gen Z. Oh, you are? I am. I thought you were a millennial. No, millennials after... 1995. 90, yeah. 90, I just made the cutoff. It's 90, 95, 96. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 99. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm a baby. <laughs> You're Muppet Baby Christmas. I'm a Muppet Baby Christmas. <laughs> oh. So yeah, let me get started uh, with my terribly depressing story. That's a spirit. 
um, this is the very first true crime story that I ever really learned about. I remember I was like seven or eight, probably younger, um, using my dad's computer to like look up music and stuff on YouTube. And like, you know how you fall down a rabbit hole on YouTube, especially in the Wild Wild West days of YouTube? Yeah. Well, I happened upon this video montage of like this really dramatic like slideshow like made by like cutie bear 67 like hope you enjoy like and subscribe and it <laughs> takes you through like this story of john bonnet ramsey's murder with mm. this really tragic song in the background um and yeah i i uh, thought about it for years because uh -huh. how could you not um, and it was then blasted all over the tabloids and like for years to come like i grew up with it remembering it on the tabloids and like why is this such a big thing and i just remember being confused about it and it's still in the news to this day after all these years later so uh what happened that fateful day maybe we're not gonna find out um <laughs> we're gonna learn something oh, we can speculate we can speculate exactly so just for some background John Bonet Ramsey was born in August of 1990, and she was the daughter of Patsy and John Ramsey, and she had a brother named Burke, who was three years older than she was. John, her father, was a very successful businessman and uh, a divorcee with three children already whenever he met Patsy. Patsy was a former beauty queen, and uh, they got married. They moved to Boulder, Colorado. They raised their children, Burke and John Bonet, and they just had like a very happy charmed life in their their mansion of sorts uh -huh. um yeah from a young age patsy entered john bonnet into child beauty pageants where she won titles like america's royal miss and little miss colorado uh, and national tiny miss beauty national tiny miss beauty i won that actually you when did? i was a child yeah i believe it you i saw the sash it doesn't hair. fit anymore doesn't but fit anymore Damn. no doesn't mean I don't, I don't try yeah you could just excuse it in there yeah yeah national uh, tiny miss beauty exactly creepier words have never been said it honestly yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt. no you're fine it's true and like these are probably like these headshots and these beauty shots that you see from the pageant are like what people most remember from this story because mm. it's like this beautiful white pageant girl who's like six years literally six years old and she's been murdered tragic it's not really, to spoil anything not to spoil Unless you saw uh, Cutie Bear 67's video. Yeah, then you already know everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, shout out to Cutie Bear 67. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like and subscribe, hit that bell. <laughs> uh, so Patsy's pageant mom behavior and John Bonet's success as a rising starlet were heavily reported on and manipulated by the media in the decades after her death. So what happened that night? Before we talk about that night, let's talk about the morning after because this is kind of where everything starts to unravel and how we we mm. learn of things happening and that's really important in the timeline of events that happens december 26th 1998 in the early hours of this day john and patsy ramsey woke up early to prepare for a trip and as they were going about their morning routine patsy found a two and a half page ransom note laying on their kitchen staircase which asked for money to ensure the safe return of their six-year-old john benet and i can read this to you mm -hmm. it says mr ramsey listen carefully we are a group of individuals that represent sorry but starting in a, a written note with listen carefully is whole other kinds of dumb listen up <laughs> exclamation point exclamation point it has an exclamation point <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see her 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. That's what it says. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. There's a lot of typos and shit in here. Yeah. You couldn't tell. You're you, just like calculating a tip. And then just like, no, write the note around it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You withdraw $118,000 from your bank account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between <laughs> 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The, the delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. We're not done yet. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. That was a bad, inappropriate time to laugh. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> immediate <laughs> execution of your yeah. daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. And I keep laughing and this is not funny. No, it's funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you to not provoke them. Speaking to anybody about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory! SBTC. <laughs> I love, um, uh, don't let us catch you talking to a, um, stray a stray dog like it's Paw Patrol or yeah. something. Um, that, what a weird note. It's fucking bizarre. And that I had to read the whole thing because this is such a huge part of like the whole case. Yeah. And on listening to it a second time, there are certain details that like stand out. Yeah. Right. Like them mentioning that there are two other people. Yes. Which seems like something that you wouldn't say no. if you were the person who's kidnapping someone's child yeah like we're gonna give you the exact number of people involved in this yes so that you know exactly and uh, again rereading it i mean the first thing that everyone is going to talk about in like from police and whatnot in the investigation is the very specific amount of money that they ask for yeah one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. but what really threw me was make sure you bring an adequate size attache to the bank and then when you get home you will put the money in a brown paper bag yeah how is that gonna work? An attaché. Well, like a bag, but then like a fancy word for a bag. A yes, with lots of misspelling. Like they tried. They really oh, they tried did. to like spruce it up. Um, but then they want you to put the money in a brown <clears throat> paper bag. All of that money is not gonna fit in a brown paper bag. Am I overthinking this? Because that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, with the lunches that I bring to work, that's maybe true. you do have like five lunches. I do. So, yeah. Yeah. Get they a, have to go somewhere. Get a Dylan-sized lunch bag, and this could work. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah yeah it is definitely interesting 
Um, do you think that they added those spelling errors by accident or on purpose? Uh, by accident. Really? The amount of both spelling and like grammatical errors and things that just like don't quite flow right. Yeah. I, it's for me in my big brain, my big grammar brain, it's really hard to do that on purpose and like, or you could do it on purpose, but like, it's so random. Like, I don't know. It's just like, doesn't, it's just so like the 1997, they meant if you want to see her in 1999, I believe because it's new years. And they said, if you want to see her in 1997, They've been planning this for a few years. Yeah, apparently. And mm -hmm. they just like went backwards. Like, oh, how does New Year's work? Oh, we go back a year. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's, we're, we're actually in BCE. Um, I think a lot of those details kind of make it seem like they're trying to throw off who's ever reading the note. That I do a believe. A little bit. I do believe that, yes. Um, and, and certain details, like the $118,000, mm -hmm. um, is so specific because it is the amount of money he made as a Christmas bonus yes that year yes that is that is like the main um, uh main red flag that the police came up with which yeah. we'll go in a little bit more detail later um so we have that note mm -hmm. and patsy finds us on the staircase automatically freaks out so the only people in the house on christmas day the day before were the immediate family john patsy burke and john bonnet and despite the note urging Patsy to not involve the police immediately. She called them at 5:52 a.m. as well as friends and family to try to expedite the search for her daughter, as well as like the funds to pay this ransom. Yeah. Police arrived three minutes later at 5:55 a.m. and found no signs of forced entry. And right off the bat, investigative mistakes were made by police who entered the scene. Of course. And this is kind of where things just begin to completely unravel and turn to shit. Yeah, because the house was cleaned as well. Yeah. So I imagine the police were slipping around, falling down. Oh, soap <laughs> So soapy. Yeah. Um, so the police did do a cursory search, but they failed to do it diligently, ah. which we'll, we'll see a little bit more about how how undiligent this search was officer rick french went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch and he paused for a moment in front of the door but he walked away without opening it and later he explained <laughs> that he was looking for an exit route for the kidnapper but since the closed lock was there he was like oh no a kidnapper couldn't have escaped through here because the lock is closed eight hours later john benet ramsey's body will be found right behind that door yeah, so he had a hunch, Rick French. He had a hunch. Um, I have a hunch. Have you seen that John, John Mulaney sketch? I haven't. It's, oh, I fucking love John Mulaney. He was, he was talking about how, how easy it was to just commit crimes in like the olden days. And he's like, police were just like, I have a hunch. Mop up that blood. That's literally what <laughs> these police officers did. Apparently, it was easy enough to get away with a crime in 1999. Yeah, got back to my hunch. Um, <laughs> So as the police were conducting their search, John began preparing arrangements to get the ransom paid. A forensics team was dispatched and assessed that since they believed it was a kidnapping, they only needed to close off John Bonet's room. So as Dylan mentioned, friends and family came over immediately, were free to roam the rest of the house. And they also just like went about their day. They they cleaned for the Ramses because they're like, hey, like they're going through this tragic time. Like the very least we can do is clean up for them, right? Yeah, I you know <laughs> that makes. If they knew it was a murder, they probably would have been a little bit more 
uh, mindful of where they were cleaning. But still, like, Police 101 is you treat every scene, every situation like a murder. Like, you don't know. And it's not like DNA evidence wasn't a thing back then. Like, this was the thing at the time. Like, the 80s were the time where it was developed. So, like, everyone knows about DNA now. Everybody knows that it's this new technology. French was really close, though. So you have to give him he at least half a point. Really close. He was so close. Right there, if you think about it. Yeah. He had this in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> he had it slightly outside of the bag? Slightly outside. And it wasn't in the bag, but no, it was close. It was close. <laughs> close. Good job, French. Um, so family are roaming around the house. Friends are roaming around the house. There's a priest in there trying to console the family. They're cleaning the house and going about their day and just like trampsing through everywhere. Then things just kept getting worse. The Boulder Police Department just also kept sharing evidence as they found it with the Ramsey family. And then they put off conducting formal interviews with them. Hey, look at this. Yeah, basically. Like, hey, look what we found. What do you think? Yeah. No, like, what do you think? Like, uh, we have ideas, but what do you think? What, what, do, you, what do you think, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just trying to, like, speculate. Like, play the field a little bit. You know, get, get out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... Patrick, um, or no, Pat, is his name Patrick? Whatever his name was. French was just like, hey, I just... Maybe, maybe you should take a stab at this. <laughs> Which they actually will later on. We'll see. It doesn't get any better. It gets much worse. Yeah, but um, they end up making progress, right? At least a little bit. A little bit of progress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a, a little bit. So a detective arrived at 8 a.m. to wait further in information from the kidnappers on making arrangements for the money, but no instructions ever came. Now it's 1 p.m. We're taking a big leap, a big jump. The detective instructed John and a family friend to search around the house and see if they noticed anything amiss. So basically, <laughs> Officer fun. Rick French is like, hey, I know we searched, but like, you guys search the house and just like maybe we missed something like yeah you guys go i love that crowdsourcing help from yep. the um family who's being ransomed yeah, exactly or, exactly is that the right term ransomed ransom extorted extorted it's probably a better word for than ransomed yeah. although ransom isn't bad i just don't know if that's right i don't know if it's right either i don't know, I don't know anything write in leave a comment <laughs> let us know <laughs> <laughs> so the very first place they looked yeah. Was the basement and uh, immediately found John Bonet's body. French wasn't like, no, 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 stop. I've already like, looked I've already, at this door. I've already got this. He, you know what? On, on their way down, he's probably like, guys, you're wasting your time. I've <laughs> already been down there. But if you want if you want to look. They go to the door. I he's did. like, believe me. I looked at that door. It's not an escape route. Impossible. There's, a door, there's a door latch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So... John Bonet's mouth was covered in duct tape. A nylon cord was found around her wrists and neck, and her, her torso was covered by a white blanket. And immediately, John picked up his daughter's body and brought her upstairs, again, destroying more critical evidence in the process. And, like, I know we talked about this before, but, like, part of me can't fault him for that because that would also be what i can imagine is like my first instinct as a parent or like a protector of a child is like if they look like they're not okay like i want to help them and i want to get them help so like mm -hmm. he probably didn't register that she was dead and registered like me she needs help yeah right and so i understand that that protector part comes in first 
which is also why they shouldn't have sent the father of the daughter to go search. The, it's just a whole. Well, he, he's mess. part of the team now. He now has, he is. Officer, like you're. He has a novelty badge. You're a sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> just promoting you. Um. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about that? I imagine French must have been pretty embarrassed. Number one. You think? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, where did you find her? In the basement. Oh. Yeah. Oh, be. Uh, where in the basement? Behind door number one. Oh God. <laughs> um. I think naturally the protective instinct is to care for your child yeah. and it makes sense to remove them from that situation, yeah. which is a very ugly thing and bring them upstairs. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that I, I imagine he wasn't alone when he opened that door. No, that he, a poli- wasn't. he had his friend with him. Yeah. That a police officer or a detective or his friend would have been like, all right, maybe not. Yeah. Um, well, see, that's the thing. A police officer wasn't with him. It was just him and his friend. Okay. And I mean, like if you're his friend, I can imagine, like, you've never been in that situation before. Like, maybe I shouldn't be telling my buddy to not pick up his daughter And this. Like, maybe that's not, I don't know. Like, I, I imagine feeling reserved around, about that as well. Like, maybe that's not my place to, it, obviously, it's also probably happening so fast. Like, yeah. What I'm kind of confused about as well mm-hmm. is if um, the father was under the impression that his daughter has been kidnapped. And he's already getting money out of the bank. Mm-hmm. Why would he go into the basement and open that door? He was told. To, he, he was, was told, told. He was told to like inspect the house. He was. Oh. So he was told to to search around the house to see if anything was amiss. So basically, the policemen were like, "Hey, what I'm assuming that they meant was, hey, you know your house better than we would. Obviously, can yeah. you look around and let us know if you see anything that's not quite right that we wouldn't notice ourselves? Yeah. So I think that's what happened there. Okay. So he decided to go downstairs to the basement and open that specific yeah, door. Yeah, I think he's starting from the bottom to the top, I would, I would oh. imagine. Oh, he got out of the way early. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah. There was a boot print found next to John Bonet's body, which did not belong to anyone in the family. There was also a broken window in the basement, which was believed to be the most likely point of entry for an intruder. And after the discovery of her body, each of the Ramseys produced handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. And they were interviewed for a few hours. And Burke was interviewed for the first couple of weeks after his sister's death. So, like, the parents were like, oh, I'll just, like, give you a quick cursory. Burke was, like, hounded. This poor kid. He's also only three. He's nine at this point. Yeah. Which is pretty fucked. I thought you were going to say three for a second. No, That'd I'm, be kind of funny. I almost did. <laughs> it's, like, really um, tiny handcuffs. Yeah. Oh, oh. Um, so the autopsy. Yes. The autopsy revealed that John Bonet had died from asphyxiation due to strangulation in addition to a skull fracture. And there was no semen found, but sexual assault could not be ruled out because she did have injuries. Um, and it had also been determined that her vaginal area was wiped with a cloth as to remove evidence. Again, we know DNA is a thing now. Yeah. They were probably trying to cover things up. Um, obviously it was ruled a homicide. And a garrot, which you know what that is. Right? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. People who might not. It's like a, imagine like, um, do you know that thing used to like cut clay in like a pottery class? It has like two wooden handles um, and like a long like wire. That could be considered a garrot. It's yeah. basically something that you, do I have a definition here that I'm just not. No, giving? it's like um, in Godfather, like mafia yeah, movies. Yeah, it's there's something a guy that in the you seat. use to strangle somebody, but you have something on there to help you tighten it, uh-huh. um, which is really fucked so the crot was made from a nylon cord and a broken paintbrush handle which was tied around her neck and 
part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was later found in a tub of Patsy's art supplies, but the remaining third of it was never found despite extensive searching around the house. Mm -hmm. So that's not good. Um, and the autopsy revealed that John Bonet had eaten pineapple a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home taken on the day when John Bonet's body was found show no, nope, they do, they found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, John nor Patsy said they remembered putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapple to either of their kids. Police reported that they found John Bonet's nine-year-old brother Burke's fingerprints on the bowl and the Ramses have always said that Burke slept through the entire night until he was awoken several hours after the police arrived that's a lot of information I just threw at you but that is all the information that gets so hotly debated in this case right it makes yeah. sense it all comes back to the pineapple <laughs> everything comes back to the pineapple mm -hmm. who lives in a pineapple under the sea I'm just waiting. Jean Bonnet <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, so before we dig into theories, I just want to go a little bit more into the specifics of the case and the investigation more because that was okay. bungled the hell. Okay. So like Dylan mentioned before, the ransom note d demanded $118,000, which is very oddly specific. It's ridiculously suspicious. Sus sus it is specific. 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 I did it. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was nearly identical to John Ramsey's Christmas bonus the year before, um, which immediately made police suspicious of the Ramseys. Suspicious. 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 Did I say that again? No. Okay. You did. <laughs> <laughs> suspicious um, of Ramseys and everyone who was close to them because, like, somebody who had to have known this must. This is so odd and randomly specific. Like, nobody. Why one hundred eighteen thousand dollars? Why? I don't know. So they looked into people who John currently and previously worked with, and they also considered the possibility that the demand was a reference to Psalm 118. They literally were just, like, digging wherever they could, making no sense. They were doing yeah. everything except for their jobs. Yeah, I feel like French probably felt like he needed to um, to really step up. He said, let's go to the he Bible. Just, he was just pulling shit out of his asshole. He did something. Yeah, he did. Uh, not successfully, unfortunately. No, not at all. Also... The ransom note appears to echo film dialogue. The films Ruthless People, Ransom, Escape from New York, Speed, and Dirty Harry have been our sources from this ransom note. Like, they, it took things, you know what I'm saying. Did I, by any chance, uh, check the uh, Ramsey's, like, video collection? You know what? That's a great point. I don't think that they did. Huh. I, don't, I would be interested. I have never heard of that. That is a fantastic point actually i'd be curious for yeah sure. for sure i mean blockbuster was a thing it was but at the same time they're rich if you're quoting movies like that you probably have them on vcr yeah like you're watching them over and over again yeah that's a really good point dylan i don't know i might have to look that up later because that's gonna bother me um but to my knowledge no okay also it was the the length of the note was unusually long it was two and a half pages and uh -huh. the FBI explained that this was very unusual to be written at the crime scene. And we know that it was written at the crime scene. Retired detective Fred Patterson said, I've, I've seen and worked on a number of kidnappings for the FBI. And most of the notes are very short. They're very terse, very succinct, and give very specific instructions, almost like bullet points. I've never seen a ransom kidnapping that asks for such a specific amount of money, especially. 
police first suspected that this note was staged because the only fingerprints on it were Patsy's mm-hmm. and the authorities who handled it. Um, which also I'm realizing pisses me off because the person who wrote the note could have had gloves on. Right. And why did the authorities not wear gloves when handling it? Why are their fingerprints on it? Uh, I just thought of that now. Why do they have their finger? Patsy, I get it. Why did the authorities have their fingerprints on it? Um, maybe it was all, they all, it was, they were all on their first day on the job. I Apparently! They were all rookies and this is like, this is our big first case. Uh, big we got to solve this. Everyone wants their hands on it. Like, oh, let me say, let me say, <laughs> I think I crack at it. What? And Patsy's fingerprints were on it as well. Yes, they were. They were. And the reason that we know for a fact that this note was written in the home is Mm -hmm. because it was written with a pen and notepad from their home. Both the note and the practice draft. So there was, this wasn't even the final, the first thing. Like They practiced this. And a report from the Colorado Bureau of Investigation wrote in a report that there are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. However, there wasn't enough evidence for a definitive conclusion. How much, um, what is the percentage as opposed to like the percentage of somebody who isn't Patricia Ramsey? They didn't say that, but I think, again, these genius police officers, I think that they literally said it was her stationery and her pen. She must have written it. That is wild. I shit you not. I think that's what they thought in mm. their brain. Yeah. And a board certified forensic pathologist ha- who had consulted with both sides of the case said that he had never seen a note like this in his 60 years of experience. And in his expert opinion, it was not written by an outside stranger. So I guess there was that as well. But that is also doesn't point to P- Patsy. No. No, probably not. No, I don't. It points to Burke obviously yeah which we're gonna get to oh sorry one last thing a federal court also ruled that it was unlikely that patsy wrote the note citing six certified handwriting experts but because of the high profile nature of the case self-proclaimed experts without credentials kept trying to enter the case and accuse patsy um just because of the whole media circus so we're spending all this time blaming patsy and all these resources trying to prove her wrong and not actually trying to solve i hope they brought a psychic in too honestly you know what a pet psychic would have been <laughs> yeah. even better. That's what they should have done. Do they not have a pet? Um, I don't. I don't hear. I haven't heard anything about a pet. But like, it's strange. I imagine if a pet psychic can speak about your pets, it can speak about like the birds you might have watched from outside. Right, and also plants. When you put electrodes on them, they exactly. can actually serve as a character testimony in court. Exactly. Um, but that was on an episode of um, <laughs> Factor Fiction. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it was fact. <laughs> don't think it was fact, guys. No. You heard it here first. Strange that they don't have a, like a dog at least. Usually, rich people have like maybe they like to you, yeah like a mastiff or something or Speaking like a great of dame. Rich people who have pets. Yes, I knew this very wealthy family. Their house reminded me of what this Ramsey's house was described as. Uh-huh. Um, like the girl that I was friends with had an entire wing of the house to herself. Wow. I. Sh- she had a full-sized room just as her closet. That's amazing. Yeah, it was... I also paid for her and her mom's Dairy Queen because her mom forgot her wallet at home. Meanwhile, I'm poor, and uh, <laughs> it's fine. And they had, a, they had a dog or a cat? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, they had a dog, Um, but the dog was very spoiled, mm-hmm. and it would only eat, like, 
the nicest of steaks, mm. the nicest of, of meats, um, like a full meal. Like if they ordered out, they would order a meal for their dog. That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, if I were a dog and I knew that I could get full snakes every night. Full snakes? Yeah, full snakes. Full snakes. Um, a full snake and snake. Full snake and um, I would absolutely hold out for a steak. Yeah. Yeah. That dog ate better than I did most nights of my life <laughs> all you got was dairy queen yeah dairy queen that i paid for it in their rich home <laughs> and they get paid back <laughs> it's fine it's freaking fine sort of thing that you killed john ramsey oh my gosh oh my gosh interesting enough uh-huh her brother's name was burke my friend who had this dog in this house her brother's name was burke what oh my gosh did i kill john this is all coming together <laughs> It was me. Yeah, I, her name. His name was Burke. Wild. I promise you, that's the only other time I've ever heard that name. What was his last name? <laughs> Burke is just a rich person. Name. I was gonna say it's a very rich person name, a very mm -hmm. hoity-toity name. What's what's it short for? Burkle. Burkeford. Burkeford. <laughs> I don't know. No idea. Just Burke. Yeah, imagine like Burke on like on a yacht, mm -hmm. like smoking a cigar. Probably is right now. Honestly, probably. Yeah. In the um, Maldives. Yeah. Maldives? Maldives. Maldives? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, about uh, now we're going on to the investigation okay. part of things. So, from the start, experts, media commentators, and the Ramses have identified potential suspects in the case. The Boulder police almost exclusively focused on John and Patsy at the start of the investigation, but by October of 1997, they had over 1600 people in their persons of interest case so not even a whole year later they had that many people on their persons of interest list which is bananas like i i think i read that like eight is typically a lot usually they have like three to five uh -huh. 1600 which is bananas and all of the aforementioned errors further complicating the investigation along with a lack of experienced staff clearly it's just a fucking mess. So the media had already pointed the Ramses as the murderers already. Um, at the time, Boulder police were ensuring that there was no killer on the loose. Um, but Patsy actually disagreed with this and wanted the people of Boulder to keep their babies close is what she said. And or I'll get them. Yeah, I'll get them. I'll get them. Uh, obviously, this pissed the Boulder police officers off, and they sent five detectives to speak with the Ramses because of this. Wow, comment. that is not even like no. It's kind of a, a muscle squad. Yeah, what's the first muscle? It, yeah, yeah it's just, it's yeah, just it's the heavies to extort them again. Yeah, holy uh -huh. shit! So the Ramses insisted that they were too emotional to sit down with the investigators to speak, but they were able to do the CNN interview on TV. Oh yeah, so that that drew a lot of scrutiny. Also, like they're sending five officers down because you said that there was a, like a stranger on. Like that's that's, I wouldn't want to talk. And they bungled the case so bad. <laughs> Fuck that! Well, I'm they, just thinking of this. I wouldn't want to talk to them either. Well, they sent five police officers because they needed one to drive the car and four to give directions. It's true. It's true. Four to give directions and one for snacks. And one for snacks. One yeah. For snacks. Yeah. That was uh, that was French's job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. He brought the fries. <laughs> I feel so bad. I'm sure he he really tried. I'm sure he did. You think? Uh, I don't think. <laughs> I, I'm sure that in later cases he really. I hope he never up. touched another case again. <laughs> the way he bungled this one. <laughs> bungled. It was bungled. Truly. Truly bungled. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. So things just keep getting worse for the Ramseys. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. In uh, 1999, a Colorado grand jury voted to indict the Ramseys on child endangerment and obstruction of a murder investigation. But the prosecutor declined to prosecute, stating a lack of evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. And despite never officially being named suspects by police, the Ramseys have certainly been on trial um, by their peers for their entire lives. And a retired detective came back to the force to present his findings just to show and like be on the Ramsey side, be like, hey, this doesn't make sense. I'm coming back from retirement to show you guys how to do your fucking job. Damn, that's badass. Yeah. yeah. And on top of all of this mess, there was power in politics involved because, of course, so the police and the DA had a very strenuous relationship to the point that the Colorado governor named a special prosecutor to be on the case, which does not happen normally. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the people within the same department who were supposed to be on the same team had differing views. And both lead investigators ended up resigning because they're like, we can't work together. This is a mess. Yeah. So just everything's falling apart. Fast forward to December 2003, forensic investigators were able to extract enough material from a mixed blood sample found on JonBenet's underwear to establish a DNA profile. It belonged to an unknown male and excluded the Ramses as possible matches. The DNA was submitted to CODIS, which do you know what CODIS is? I believe so. It's basically just the, the um, place where you submit DNA once it's collected and it, if it has a match, you can yeah. find people. But it didn't match anybody. Mm. So the person hasn't been arrested for any other crime. So a lead investigator on the DA's office revealed that there were additional traces of male DNA found on the paintbrush and the cord that were just not mentioned by the DA at the time. They were just like, hey, you don't need to know this. What happened on a weekend, right? What? The um, the murder? It happened on a, the day after a holiday. Yeah, so... I don't know if it was... You know, yeah. you know give them a break. They're, they're spending, spending Christmas with their families. No, yeah, they, they deserve a little bit of leeway. Exactly. I mean, so much leeway that the case is unsolved to this day. Exactly, exactly. There were also six separate DNA samples found by the test belonging to unknown individuals. And in this point, now the Ramses are in a libel case for dragging their name in the mud for all of these years. And this is especially, like, upsetting to me because... I remember this, I made a very weird comment that your skin cells are everywhere. Um, but yeah. we shed skin cells all the time, constantly. Like, it's possible. I don't. I don't. You do not. Like, it's it's possible that they can be deposited anywhere at any time for various reasons that are just benign. So mm-hmm. to clear somebody just in the premise of touch DNA, especially when you have a situation where the crime scene wasn't secure at the beginning, is really a stretch. So yeah. when the Ramses were absolved, this was a huge source of contention for people. Now we will get into the theories. It all comes back to the pineapple. It does. Dylan, what are you thinking right now? I am thinking that something happened earlier that morning, mm-hmm. which involved a bowl mm-hmm. and pineapple yeah. that both Burke and JonBenet Ramsey were participating in. Yeah. They were probably eating pineapple out of the same bowl. And there was a um, fingerprint on the bowl. Yes. That Just belonged Burks. to Burke. Just Burke's. However, they found pineapple in JonBenet Ramsey's stomach. Mm-hmm. So she was awake. However, his testimony claimed that he was asleep during the time that this happened. Yes. So he's lying for some reason. Maybe. Potentially. Potentially. That's what it seems like. And that is what everybody kind of thinks. Yeah. So the first one is the family 
theory. According to a retired profiler with the FBI, statistically is a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a caregiver who uh-huh. was involved in the homicide of a child. And the police saw no evidence of forced entry, but they did see evidence of staging of the scene, such as the ransom note, which was ridiculous. Online. Right, yeah. They said that they didn't find the Ramses cooperative in helping them solve the death of their daughter. And the Ramses said that this was just because they were afraid that they would be targeted, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what happened. So one theory is that Patsy struck John Bonet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and strangled her to cover up what had happened after mistakenly thinking she was already dead. I don't know where this one came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a history of bedwetting. From everyone's accounts, there has been no history of violence or anything of the sort from Patsy. So this is just like total media circus speculation, in yeah. my opinion. John Bonet's brother, Brooke, even said that we didn't get spanked. Nothing of the sort, nothing close, nothing near laying a finger on us, let alone killing your own child. Um, and so theoretically, the strangulation could have been a red herring. Burke, juicy Burke. Uh, was nine years old at the time of John Bonet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times, and like I said, for weeks after his sister's death. Yeah. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about him. Um, and a review by a child psychologist stated that it appeared that the Ramses had a healthy, caring family relationship. Yeah. I imagine if you're nine years old and you're being interrogated by police like twice, yeah, you're probably not going to hold up under a lot of scrutiny. Probably not. No. Um, yeah. The pineapple, not sure what happened there. No. Maybe it was from the previous night. So here's here's my theory with the pineapple. Yeah. Either maybe like, maybe thinkers are, thinkers. <laughs> Kids are germy. I would imagine that if you were like, yeah. A kid's just like pawing around in the cu- like I can imagine a kid having their fingerprints on a bowl uh-huh. just because it was just there. Like maybe he grabbed it right. and put it back. Like that's not weird to me. Mm-hmm. He lives in that house. It was within his reach. That would make sense that he would have his fingerprints on it. Maybe he wanted a late night snack. Maybe he went downstairs for a late night snack, um, which is one of the theories that he was getting a late night snack. And then John Bonet had one to steal some of his pineapple and that he just saw red yeah basically and then just killed her and then patsy covered it up that is one of the theories there may be steaks for the dogs but there's not enough pineapple in this house to go around no sister (laughs) yeah pineapple is such a rich person snack to have in the middle of the night it is it is isn't it yeah yeah um yeah so i i don't know i don't know i don't know so uh, so okay so along with that thought I would think that maybe Burke just had his fingers all over things and because he's a germy kid. Yeah. Um, as most are. And then the the perpetrators grabbed that bull and they had gloves on because their fingerprints were not on the ransom note. And maybe they got John Bonet some pineapple to like calm her down or like hmm. make her chill and like be like, Hey, like we're friends, like we're we're cool. Here's some pineapple. Yeah. You know. Okay, so next is the intruder theory. Mm-hmm. Police and the prosecutors followed leads for intruders partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement where John Bonet's body was found. And there were a variety of persons of interest, including the man who played Santa Claus the night before, and the housekeeper, a man who died in apparent suicide shortly after John Bonet's death, and hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find a match and none were found. 
So on the night that John Bonet was killed, there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for electrical cords for the outside Christmas lights to pass through. A broken basement window and one unlocked door. Mm -hmm. So this is also what makes me really angry is that the police say there's no signs of forced entry, but there is just three open points of entry that would not have to be forced. Yeah. Which doesn't make much sense to me. Also, the steel grate that covered the window uh-huh. also had undisturbed cobwebs. That that part gets me. I right. don't know how to explain that. And the foliage around the grate was undisturbed. There were also cobwebs in the tracks of various windows, and dust and debris were on some of the sills. So, like, where the window was broken in the basement, the cobwebs and the dust were still undisturbed. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It makes it seem like somebody was setting it up to look that way. Right? Right. And that's kind of what the invest. That's what the investigators thought, that it was them trying to set it up and make it look like something that it wasn't. Right. So there was an author who wrote a book called Presumed Guilty, and he talks about how John Bonet's parents, the mother, because she was in pageants, John Bonet was attracting like child molesters and like pedophiles and like really awful people who were affiliated with the child pageant scene. So people thought maybe it could have been like one of those people who were just obsessed with John Bonet. Pretty believable, yeah. She did get love letters from grown men at the age of six. Um, icky. Jesus. Right. Yeah. So like that was one. Um, and then obviously they were blaming the parents for exposing her to sexual predators, et cetera, et cetera. Also, what does not get mentioned, it mm-hmm. was de- determined there had been more than 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before John Bonet's murder. Yeah. Right. That's an interesting detail. Right. That just doesn't get talked about at uh-huh. all. Like there. So this was like a highly targeted area. Yes. And. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius. Oh, my God. Why did they live there? I know. I know. So, like, to me, that makes so much more sense than, like, I don't know. They could live anywhere. I know. They they have literally all the money that they would need. They could live in the Maldives, even. They could live in the Maldives. Ugh, they could probably own an island in the Maldives. Probably. One of their favorite islands. They could just own it. So, unfortunately, in 2006, Patsy passed away from ovarian cancer. And just a few months later, a man actually confessed to her daughter's murder. Mm. I forgot about this. Dylan, do you remember this part? I do. I just remembered it now. I haven't read these notes in over a month. And holy fuck. So, this... I'm so sorry this is so long. But this is batshit crazy. Okay. So, a 21-year-old teacher named John Mark Carr was arrested in Thailand after the confession. He claimed to drug, sexually assault, and accidentally kill John Bonet. There is absolutely zero evidence of Carr at the crime scene. His DNA did not match, and the drugging aspect was just not true. And he only provided the basic facts that were publicly known in his confession. And later, he suggested that he had lied about his confession to cover for someone else. He said, quote, Everyone was so quick to say that I was a liar or delusional. Did it ever occur to someone that I might have just been trying to protect somebody else? Oh, they're, they didn't have anyone else. No. Who is he protecting? These fucking Looney Tunes. This theory actually hasn't been ruled out because they're they're not convinced that the killer didn't act alone. However, mm-hmm. they don't believe in the slightest that of anything that this guy is saying. As a random side note, he has a really, really gross website where he's thanking people for setting him free and like quoting a Confederate soldier. You can look him up on johnmarkcar.com, get him those uh, those page views and if you want to it's really hard to follow yeah, it's, it's what uh, johnwilkesbooth.com yes exactly nice it's like just the it's just like the home page but like 
20 plus pages if you just you just keep scrolling oh, it's just like a rambling mess it's it's uh, awful the user interface so fucked it is fucked <laughs> he, he writes about like he like he claims that he both didn't say the things that he said but yeah. that he did say them and then he didn't do them and then he said them and like maybe he did do them just like, being so coy really he is he rants about like princess diana and madeline mccann and kamala harris and um just like like it's fucking wild it's like creed thoughts from the office but mm. like if it were actually a website <laughs> like it's just bananas looney tunes i'm embarrassed that i spent a lot of time on there um but like i just i wanted to try to make sense of it yeah and then i gave up quickly when i realized there was no sense to be made you find yourself starting to relate a little bit yeah starting to like some of the things that he's saying yeah yeah um, about the South. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> specific Confederate soldiers. Yeah, what was that quote exactly? I'm curious. You know now. what? I don't know. I think I just saw it was quoting a Confederate. I'm like, you know what? I just don't have time for this in my brain right now. <laughs> there's so much going on, and like, I don't want to think about this gross man any longer. I also wanted to mention that there has been reports that he's come out as transgender. I'm not dead naming him or like using the wrong pronouns because he's a terrible person, but there was an article that I read where he, again, claimed the media was trying to embarrass him by saying that he was a woman but he's insisting that he's a man i don't know i don't know his story i don't care i don't want to give him the time of day but i'm not just being a dick so one of the other individuals who was identified as a suspect was gary howard olivia three names these people have three names all right this is the guy that makes the most sense in my brain okay he was a registered sex offender he was publicly identified as a suspect in 2002 and he has claimed to be the killer numerous times since his 2016 arrest. And in a series of jailhouse letters, um, he claims that he did kill John Bonet accidentally on the morning of December 26, 1996. Uh-huh. Um, and his DNA. I know. I know. Everything else lines up so perfectly, though. Like, he, so he calls, he called this friend. Um, they were friends from high school and guy just like picks up the phone and he recognizes the voice and Olivia's crying and saying that he had hurt a little girl. Um, so they hadn't spoken for years again at this point, but Michael, the man who picked up the phone call was trying to get information out of him. So Olivia told him that he was calling from a payphone in Boulder, Colorado, where he'd been living on a ranch. Michael tried to like push him for more information, asking for his phone number or like where the, the ranch was, but he hung up the phone and the next morning, Michael said he got up and stepped on his front porch and saw the L.A. Times. And on that page, it was girl six found slain in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. And so he called the police and the police brushed him off. And so it wasn't until months later that he was like, hey, did you guys ever like follow up on that lead? And they're like, oh, no, we didn't <laughs> call this number and leave a message. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, police are really, uh, really doing bad things. Just just fucking it's a mess yeah yeah he was really obsessed with her he said that he never loved anyone like he did john bonet and, and yet he let her slip and her head bashed in half and i watched her die it was an accident please believe me she was not like the other kids which is wait what she didn't have head trauma really she did she did she did and that she was did. public that was made public yes it was okay. it was in the coroner report yeah so the cause of death was strangulation but she did have an additional head trauma uh-huh yeah it's like everything he's saying makes a lot of sense well he's gonna be in prison for the rest of his life anyway so i hope so because he's also not a really good person but yeah the case is still open they're doing more dna testing 
His did not match. Berg says that there's things that are developing, and he's feeling really good about it this year. But who knows? I don't think it was a family. I don't think it was either. I have a friend who thinks very much that it was a family, but I just don't. I don't see that. I think there would have been more evidence that was a family if it was the family. I would agree. I would agree. Um, Definitely not Burke, because he was nine. He's nine. Um, And, you know, kids are capable of doing terrible shit. They are. They they are. They are capable of murder in some cases. They are. But I don't think this this is one of those cases. I also don't think so. I, I think... I don't think that if Burke would have done something that his parents would have just been like, oh, well, she's fucked. Let's go cover it up. Yeah. I don't think that I, I understand that the idea of like not wanting to lose both of your children, but yeah, you would be so distraught as a parent yeah. to know that. And then you would have to cover pretend, it up, pretend to not the next be. day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. The cobwebs and the dust still being there really bother me. Hmm. I don't know how to explain that. Do they still live in that house? Probably not. No, they sold it. They sold it, and um, who bought John, it? That's a good question. Yeah. If you know what, if it were discounted at a good rate, <laughs> I might sell it. Yeah, just do some investigating of your own. I might. Yeah, maybe I will understand. Maybe that'll answer me the question of why the cobwebs and the dust were undisturbed. Maybe if I can like go through the motions enough time, yeah. maybe one of the outcomes will be different. You're going to solve this case. I might solve this case <laughs> if I move to Boulder, Colorado and buy their house. Ooh, Boulder is actually really nice. I know. I've heard lovely things. Um, Colorado in general is, is beautiful. My friend lives This time there. of year. Oh, no, he doesn't. He has friends out there. Mm. He goes there a lot. Anyway. Anyway. That's what a great, well, it's not a great story, but uh, what story. a great telling of that story. Yeah. I apologize. That was so long. No. There's just so much to go into in yeah. this case. Um fucking looney tunes well dylan yes we're closing out the holiday season yes would you like to bring us into the new year with your tale today? certainly i would be happy to awesome so we all have our own things we like and dislike hobbies and interests but most of us can agree on one thing that music transcends interest. It does. Regardless of who we are, most of us can agree that we love music. If someone tells you they hate music, it's probably Christmas time. <laughs> that aside, you have a long history with music, am I right? Yes, I do. I do. I love music very much. So you would say that you do love music? I do. Very much. I do. I think most people would, and how could you not? Uh, whether it's Barry Manilow's Copacabana... <laughs> Or Claude Debussy's Prelude à la Première Modifiée. Debussy. Yes, we as a species Debussy. collectively appreciate a real barn booster. A barn booster? What the, f- <laughs> the fuck after, are you after saying? After saying so much French in a row, <laughs> my, uh, my mouth forgot how to speak. Debussy barn booster. <laughs> we literally have grooves in our DNA. Uh, so just to set things off on a positive note, who's your favorite musician? You asked me this last time, and I still don't have an answer for you, Dylan. I don't know. It depends on the mood. It, it depends. I like a lot of different people. I love Barbara Streisand. I love Judy Garland. I love Ariana Grande, who released just a banger of a, of a single recently. It's the gay anthem of the century. Yeah? And, yeah. Huh? Um, David Bowie, who I named my cat after, oh. and whose poster I have on my wall. Um, I, I, so many people. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of people to like. Yeah. Um, 
I myself like Billy Joel. Billy Man, Barry Manilow. Yeah, Billy Manilow. Billy Manilow. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Damn. Uh, today I was planning to talk about the dark underbelly of the music industry. Boom, boom, boom. And something that most of us turn a third eye blind to, <laughs> so we can enjoy a good tune. <laughs> Funny the first time. I promise I won't make any more music puns. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh God, it's weird going through this a second time. <laughs> Uh, now I think that it goes without saying that any industry of a certain size yeah. is going to have some amount of corruption. Mm -hmm. There's really no avoiding it for mm -hmm. the most part. But the level of corruption, death, and misdeeds in the music industry is massive. As massive as the industry is massive. And we have a glimmer of an idea, even without any research. Uh, there are well-shared stories of labels that take advantage of their artists. Yes. We can probably, off the top of our heads, count at least five musicians with tragic deaths. Yes. Um, who were a few musicians and died tragically off the top of your head? Uh, 27 Club. There's Janis Joplin, yeah. Kurt Cobain. Um, there's Amy Winehouse. There's Mac Miller. Mm -hmm. um, there is Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. um, that's five. Elliot Smith, uh, who allegedly stabbed himself to death uh, in the weirdest suicide like pretty much ever recorded what the fuck um yeah uh he was found stabbed to death in his own apartment and the police said i guess french was on the case he did yeah french because the police said yeah he stabbed himself he in the did. chest to death i've got a hunch he did it to himself <laughs> the french is for the rest of his life suspicious of every closed door just one stab i think he stabbed himself twice i would have to look into it a little bit more that's crazy it's honestly worthy of his own episode uh, because it is a really weird case. Your self-preservation, like, right? Wouldn't that kick in and stop you from? Well, he's a really sad guy, um, which only goes as far as to explain very little. But um, it is definitely one of the weirder suicides. Jeez. Yeah. Um, there's been speculation around a lot of these deaths, and speculation is all we have a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll be doing some speculation here, but there's a good deal of evidence as well. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's do it. We'll start with the rap genre. Mm. Now, I love rap music. It's a platform for poets and empowers a lot of people who would otherwise feel disenfranchised. Absolutely. Uh, of course, the genre has its share of controversy well beyond the deaths of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. And of course, when sharks smell blood, they're going to feed. In a 2022 complex article about French Montana... The rising number of deaths of young rappers in recent years has resulted in a quote-unquote new phenomenon. Okay. Labels are beginning to take out life insurance policies on their signees. Ah. So, if a young rapper dies before their time, their label gets a nice windfall. That is so fucked. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, it's, it is pretty fucked. Uh, quoting French Montana here, um, you're supposed to have life insurance anyway, but when the label does it, if you don't have one, that's crazy. Ugh. And I agree, that's pretty crazy. But there was a reason I said, quote unquote, new phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just new phenomenon. <laughs> back, in <Phenomena>. 19... <laughs> back in 1998, a year before Jemina Ramsey's death. Mm -hmm. It was a different world. Different world. MTV released an article about Bushwick Bill. Mm. Uh, you remember Bushwick it's Bill, my favorite. right? Yeah. Bushwick Bill. You're, you're always blasting Bushwick Bill. Nothing um, but him. Yeah. <laughs> well, the headline of this article is Bushwick Bill blasts label over life insurance policy followed by says company made itself his beneficiary. Industry sources say practice is rare but not unusual. 
Now, uh, let's get into that. Jeez. In the article, Bushwick Bill alleged that his former label demanded that all artists under the label allow them to take out life insurance policies on the artists <gasps> with the label as a sole beneficiary. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, Gregory Victoroff, a music uh, industry attorney, stated that the clause is often inserted in contracts, and I quote, where the artists may live the lifestyle or participate in recreational practices that are dangerous. Wow. Mm. So they're encouraging them to, to practice in these reckless lifestyle behaviors in the hopes of them getting this life insurance. Well, it's not discouraged. Not discouraged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is a little bit uh, worrying. Although yeah. there's something even worse okay. than that. Okay. Um, it's just scraping the surface. There's another very specific kind of insurance called key man insurance. Okay. Um, also known as key person insurance. It's a policy that's taken out by a music label to compensate said, uh, said label for any losses that might come about from the extended incapacity or death of the artist. Oh. This has led some people to speculate that music labels take out this kind of insurance, then murder the artist to cash in on the quote-unquote losses that might come about from oh. the death of the artist, which uh, can be a pretty high figure considering yeah. some of the artists that are under these kinds of policies. Yeah. Uh, this has also led some people to speculate that the reason why artists like Bob Dylan continue to tour is so they aren't murdered by their label. Wow. It's just speculation. That's just speculation. That's fucking yeah. bananas. Is that what we think happened with uh, Billy Talent or whatever his name was? Billy Talent? I don't know. Who was the first guy that you said? good name for an artist. Billy, Billy Talent. Talent. Um, um, the guy who stabbed himself twice? Oh, Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith. It's not very likely. Just no. because he was a smaller artist. Okay. Um. I mean, he was he was like pretty up and coming in the mm -hmm. angsty music scene, yeah. which I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. um, very angsty. And he was very sad and depressed, and often talked about you know ending, yeah. ending his life. Um, but the way in which it I happened seems very suspicious. Yeah, the, the only thing I can think of with that is like maybe he had a psychotic break because it's not like when you think about like that's not the the mode of how you how people usually do that right typically not no. um but uh the police ruled out any kind of um foul play yeah um <clears throat> now we're going to veer into another genre mm -hmm. and i use that word loosely because it's such a large parent genre that many genres fall underneath it yeah and i'm talking about k-pop or korean popular music yes now, many people in the States are familiar with K-pop through bands such as BTS, Blackpink, Twice, and more. Uh, I'm not saying more as in like another band. That's more. just more bands. Yeah. More. Um, K-pop is known for its synthy music, bright fashion, and rigorously choreographed dance routines. Yes. Just like me. Yes. Every um, day. Every damn day. I walk into the office like I'm the only one there. Throw some glitter and sparkles in the air. <sighs> hey, Dylan's arrived. You're welcome. <laughs> But beneath that flashy surface, there's a dark, seedy underbelly. Um, and I know that's the second time that I said underbelly. That's okay. We love it. Um, I like the word um, because bellies are typically under. Uh, an overbelly. <laughs> an overbelly. A side belly, side if you belly. will. Um, that's beside the point, though. Uh, getting back to K-pop, the financial and physical abuse of K-pop stars isn't uncommon. Yeah. Uh, here are a few examples, and I might have trouble with the pronunciation here. Uh, but according to the diplomat, the artist Lee Sunji discovered his agency withheld all profits for digital streams and downloads of his songs over a 20-year period. Oh my gosh! 
Yeah, the boy band Omega X was forced to perform while testing positive for COVID. And those are just two instances. It gets worse. They have like a whole school for K-pop. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to get to that? Yeah, I was about to I'm actually. So yeah, sorry. that's the the next bullet point. So sorry. Now you're ahead of the ahead of the curve here. Many trainees in the K-pop system are forced to pay back years of quote development fees, and one agency even attempted to sue a former contestant of a reality show for quote production fees after they were eliminated from the show. Oh jeez. And now getting into the training. Um, I mentioned development fees and production fees. And when you understand the process that a lot of these stars undergo, it mm-hmm. starts to make sense. Yeah. Um, according to CBS, many stars will spend up to 10 years in training centers operated by entertainment companies. Um, these include dancing, singing, and acting classes, as well as appearance management, wow. which includes hair, makeup, and compatibility with different camera angles. Wow. So it gets really, it takes it one step. Damn forward and a few more steps forward i just got new headshots taken yesterday so like i should have taken that class because me i was real awkward (laughs) do you have any anything on the horizon in terms of shows or um no i'm not just for a couple things but i'm also like i'm cool to just take like a little break yeah sit back i want to work on like more music stuff that'd be nice yeah. yeah um i am uh, whenever I try to take a good picture of myself, mm-hmm. I'll take a video. Yeah. And I'll move my head around in and a you'll, circle. You'll find where it's good and then to I'll, Yeah, I'll go frame by frame and just fucking get the perfect shot. Smart. Smart thing. Yeah, it's always a little blurry. You know. Because it's taken from a video. Yeah. But sometimes that can be artsy, you know? Yeah. Artsy feel. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, becoming a K-pop star is often a grueling endeavor. And the industry is full of controversy. Fortunately, South Korean lawmakers have introduced legislation in hopes of preventing further abuse and mistreatment yeah. of performers. Yeah. Um, so let's take a step away from K-pop and yeah. look at something a little weirder. Okay. Uh, the use of artificial intelligence in the music industry. Yes. Now, AI has a lot of adva- or advantages mm-hmm. in the music industry. Yes. Uh, it's able to sort through an enormous amount of data mm-hmm. to identify trends, helping artists with promotion and improve visibility. For sure. It can predict how audiences are likely to feel and project a song's commercial success, mm-hmm. even. Um, and it can mix and master a song in hardly any time at all. These are great things. Um, AI can save a significant amount of time. For sure. It can also produce its own songs like the poorly titled track, Daddy's Car. <laughs> If an AI came up with that title, it should be unplugged. Daddy's car. Yeah, but that's beside the point. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's entirely the point. Well, I have to say it a few more times, so I'm just going to uh, grit my teeth. Okay. The song Daddy's Car was made by AI at Sony's Computer Science Library in Tokyo, and it was created to sound like a song by the Beatles. Okay. And I have to admit, Daddy's Car does sound a little like a Beatles song. Like Drive My Car. Yeah, that's that's taking on my daddy's car. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to admit, it does sound a little bit like a Beatles song. It does. It does. Um, if you turn your head and squint your ears, I can kind of hear it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> squint your ears. <laughs> um, Listen closely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I think Daddy's Car can go the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. If we get more songs like that and continuously improve, we might have something really interesting on our hands. Damn. Or in our ears. <laughs> uh, but of course, there's a dark side to AI-generated music that we have to address. Yeah. Songs from popular artists are being released, but the problem is popular artists aren't releasing them. Yes. 
Um, for example, the song Heart of My Sleeve by Drake and The Weeknd is not actually by Drake or The Weeknd. Okay. AI was able to emulate their voices, which were then added to the original composition. Damn. However, neither Drake nor The Weeknd agreed to have their voices used. Mm. The potential for copyright infringement is incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, as a musician and as an artist, yeah. how do you feel about um, that in particular? It's it's frustrating, I would say. Like I, That's like a whole reason that the actors went on strike recently mm-hmm. is because of that, because mm-hmm. they don't want their likeness to be used without getting the proper royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, like look at Carrie Fisher in um, the Star Wars after she passed yes. away. Now, I think in that specific case, she did have a clause in her contract if she were to die because she had past alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. So that was one unique instance. But if she didn't and they just used her, that's pretty fucked up. Well, they, they did a good job of cherishing her memory, um, especially with that scene where she gets blasted out of a spaceship right? into space yeah, and then floats back into the spaceship again. Yeah, it's beautiful. Carrie Fisher, rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> um, so... AI was able to emulate the voices mm-hmm. of Drake and The Weeknd, yeah. um, which were then added to an original composition. However, neither Drake nor The Weeknd agreed to have their voices used. Did they sue? I think I already said all this stuff. You did. <laughs> uh, there's now a tool that can almost perfectly replicate a person's voice. Yeah. Um, so why would we need artists if we can delegate all the components of song making to a machine? It's true, yeah. Is a question that some people have on their minds. It's true, yeah. Um, daddy's car might be impressive but daddy's car represents a significant threat to the music industry mm. uh, f- glad I don't have to say that title <laughs> anymore lawmakers are going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting to manage the future of music and it's clear we're going to see some colossal changes oh, for sure. in the coming years for sure I know David and his friends have talked about this a lot and like David and I just like debating um, like it's kind of like how we use mid journey to create new images yeah. but they're pulling um like source material from the web from other artists right like is that okay like I, for me i think if it's out there it, like, it's a gray area like mm-hmm. if it's out there and you can copy it like what's the what's the difference between you copying leonardo da vinci and ai copying leonardo da vinci like you're a right. great artist so like if you can emulate well, a style of art like why can't a computer do it you know but at the same time if they're not being given proper credit, that's kind of sketchy. It's a very complicated subject because with a system like Midjourney or systems that do AI art generation, mm-hmm. the um, ability to provide attribution for yeah. the artists is, and I haven't done a lot of research, but it seems pretty impossible. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, from what from what I've seen too. Of course, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And but, yeah, and if and if AI is so advanced, it should have the capacity as well to attribute things where they deserve to be attributed. Exactly. If it's searching and scouring the web for all of these sources, it should be able to know where it's pulling its information from. Right, and I think there might be a, a little bit of reluctance because when there is attribution, there is also royalties. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, I, I, I don't know as much about art, so I hate speaking to art because I don't want it to sound like I'm diminishing like an artist's work compared to like voice but whenever it comes to like your voice it is like so clearly yours Mm -hmm. like it's clearly ariana's voice it's clearly drake's voice it's clearly the weekend's voice 
that's very like intimate and like yeah. invasive to like use that and create because like who knows what it's like i don't want to compare it to like deep faking with like inappropriate images but like it who knows what it could be used for you know yeah. um so if you're if you're going to make money off of it i think you should at least attribute them yeah it's just um we as a society have been given this incredibly powerful yeah. tool and we don't have the um the we don't have the manual we no. i mean maybe that's not the best example or metaphor but we're given this incredibly powerful tool, and then we're told, now you have to figure out how, how yeah, to control technology it and what the rules are. What is that called again where technology advances so quickly and that we can't keep up with it? Or like it just like infinitely increases? I knew the phrase last time we recorded it, and I forget it again. It's fine. Anyway, technology in infinitely speeds up over time. Yeah. And like we just can't keep up with the laws regulating it yeah. and everything that comes with it. Like I shouldn't should I be able to watch Johnny Cash sing I'm just Ken from the Barbie movie? I did. It was great. I think he might roll over in his grave, mm. but I don't know. I've been well, he has come out with some really great covers. Yeah. Um I, I've really been into the uh, Patrick Starr um covers of yes. like all these different really emotional songs. Yes. And wow. It's kinda touching sometimes. Yeah. Like he has fantastic range. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so final thoughts. Every industry has a good side and a bad side. Um, and when you make art into an industry, it complicates things even more. Uh, whether it's a greedy label profiting off the death of an artist, the abuse of artists in a highly competitive genre, or the warping of the very fabric of music itself by AI. There's a lot to contend with. Yeah. So I think I'll stick to playing Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. <laughs> and that's enough for me. Happy for you, Dylan. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful words. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Well, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, don't let us know. If you did, let us know. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at my MEC Crisis Pod, and you can email us at my existential crisis podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us topic ideas or just say hello, you can do that. Uh, you can follow me and Dylan on Instagram if you would like. Dylan, what is your handle? At Marble Folk. At Marble Folk. The and stone and the genre. Yes. And mine is at Madison.Epley because I Makes am sense. not creative. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thanks, guys. Apologies for the long episode. Sorry for the hiatus, but you made it. You made through it. We did it. You made it. You made it. You're here. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. <laughs> hey. All right. Have a good rest of your uh, day or morning or evening or afternoon. Whatever you're doing. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.